This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. LinkedIn presents. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got David Sandstrom. He serves as Chief Marketing Officer at Klarna and as a member of their executive management team. David joined Klarna in 2017, where he led the fintech company through an extensive brand transformation from one of many financial institutions that kind of had a similar look and feel to a consumer lifestyle brand and shopping platform, and fully licensed bank, all with a hot pink edge. He's responsible for everything related to consumer growth, design, marketing, brand, communications, and sustainability. During his time at Klarna so far, David has overseen several pioneering marketing campaigns, inserting the brand into pop culture discussions, and has garnered international attention from working with high-profile celebrities such as Lady Gaga, Snoop Dogg, and many others. On the show today, we talk about David's approach and philosophy around marketing. We talk about buy now, pay later, and frankly, interesting and a kind of amazing size and scope of Klarna today. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with David Sandstrom. Well, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
No, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation and, and diving deep on Klarna. But before we do that, I always like to start off with maybe something personal, a fun fact or something unexpected that listeners may not know about you. Anything come to mind? This is always a tough one, especially for, for a European person. But I do think a thing that people find quite interesting is that I'm a, a rare blend of a hippie and an engineer. So I was born <laughs> in Key West in the 80s, in the early 80s, which were, were probably a quite special place. I don't remember much of it, but, but my parents were hippies there. And I grew up in a very engineering-heavy family in Germany. So I feel I have that kind of art and science background, which might make me interesting. But it's, it's, it's tough to say, to be honest. But, but, but I think it's quite interesting. It's, it's fairly helpful in my everyday life as well. Yeah. How, so how long were you in Key West before you moved, moved away? A couple of years, like four or five okay. years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So very, very young, very young. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I, yeah, I've never quite heard that combination before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, it's, it does sound like the perfect mix though for a marketer. So maybe, maybe we can talk about how you, how you got your start and, uh, and how you ended up as chief marketing officer at Klarna. Yeah, I, it is. I'm not sure if it's a straight path or not, but I mean, I, I went to school and high school like everyone else. And very early on, I became not only interested, but almost obsessed with consumer behavior. Like that was one of the, mm. I started out with psychology, but that was a bit too fluffy and too theoretical for me. But early on, I got very interested in consumer behavior. Like, why do people behave in the way they behave? Like game theory, macroeconomics, microeconomics, things like that. You know, why, why do people choose a Coke over a Pepsi? Why do people walk into a McDonald's over a Burger King when they next door to each other? Or the other way around. Like, no, I'm not making any <laughs> statements, but more questions, right? right? Why do people behave the way they do. And, and I started studying that very, very deeply. And I started my professional career as an analyst of consumer data, just chugging through like the stuff that AI does today. I did that manually, just chugging through user research, user reports, the data sets that were, were available, because that was my big interest and is still part of what I do and what I'm almost obsessed with. And that then led me to the path of becoming more of a planner, I would say, in, in mm -hmm. you know, marketing terms, a strategist, yep. using that experience, using that data, using that you know, context to understand what, uh, how should brands behave, what products do we need to create, how should we, like all of the you know, strategic aspects of, of building a business. And I'm not sure if that is still the case, but back then, and this was maybe 10, 15 years ago, planning and strategy within agencies became a very hot topic here in Europe. I, I think uh, that was already the case in the US, but I was, I was lucky with that positioning. So data, consumer behavior, all of that was fairly new into the world of agencies that have been had been heavily dominated by by creativity and creators. So I was lucky and well positioned. So one thing led to another and I started working at an agency and took over as a CEO just a couple of years later. That was DDB uh, here in the Nordic. So DDB being obviously a global agency, I took over as a CEO of the Nordic business and built that fairly well. 
together with the team, obviously, but we built that from a small agency to the one, one of the biggest and best agencies in Europe. Wow, Klarna that's amazing. then became a client, and uh, which again, it played out fairly well. I was getting sick and tired of being a consultant. I think it's fantastic in many ways, but it's also one of the most frustrating things you can do, trying to convince someone to do something good and they don't understand that they should be doing that like (laughs) you can do that for a couple of years but i had slowly become fed up with agency life and with consulting i had worked with klarna for about a year and sebastian the the founder founder and still the ceo of klarna asked me to come over and said hey why don't you do this on on the client side instead and yeah i did basically (laughs) i've been at klarna for six years now and it's been a it's been a crazy ride. It's been a crazy ride. It's been everything. When people usually ask me, like, how has that been? I usually answer that it has been everything. It's <laughs> been the best, the worst, the most fun, the most boring, the, you know, every feeling on the spectrum. I felt it at Klarna. And that is, uh, it's a privilege. I love it. I love how you describe that uh, every feeling you've had. Tell me a little bit about Klarna. I mean, in the I'm in the U.S. Of course, we know it as kind of a buy now, pay later business. At least that's what the, you know. To a consumer, I, that's what I see. But my understanding is Klarna is much bigger than I've ever imagined it to be. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about the business, where you guys are, and kind of the this current state, if you will. First and foremost, I'm happy to hear that that you, you're starting to feel that Klarna is is bigger than the buy now pay later industry or tag that we've gotten, especially in the U.S. Because it has been, if I start in that end, it has been both a blessing and a curse, in my opinion. Right? The blessing mm-hmm. has been that buy now pay later has been on the rise for a variety of reasons. We can dive into them later as well. Like it's been a good booster for us to be pioneering that industry because it's been freaking hot in the last couple of years. Yeah. But it's also been a curse because we're so much more. By now, pay later is only a fraction of what we do and what we, we think we can do for consumers and businesses. So that's, um, I'm happy to hear that. But, but by now, pay later is, is a small proportion. But at the core of what Klarna does is payments, basically. So we do what we call alternative payment methods, a better, more modern, more updated way of paying for things online. So that is what we're famous for. So buy now, pay later is one of those features. It's an ability to spread your cost over time without any interest or fees, right? Mm -hmm. So it's basically a modern way of a modern option to credit and credit cards. So at the core, we're really a payments company. That is the simplest way to think about us. But due to the popularity of the payment products, I mean, we have globally now 150 million consumers we're connected to about 500,000 retail partners. So we are immensely popular. We're growing in popularity in the US, obviously. But I mean, we are, we have a huge footprint. So we've really taken that popularity and started to build more features on top of our payment products. And we are slowly growing into really becoming a shopping utility. So not only a service uh, which people use to pay for things, but really where people start to search for products in our app, they find deals, they get inspired with you know, our TikTok-like shoppable videos. We give people financial overview. So really think of it as a PayPal that has grown into 
way more utilities connected to shopping. So that is basically what we do. But again, it's a hard, like it's easier to say that we're a payments company because people instinctively understand that. But people usually stay for all of the services around the actual payments. So I think that's a good way of seeing things like came for the payments, stayed for the services, basically. (laughs) I I mean, we're seeing strong performance. I mean, the US became our largest market late, late last year, which is a major milestone for us. We've been huge in Europe, especially in Germany, uh, UK as well. But the US is now our biggest market. We're still seeing a 70% year-on-year growth force in the US market, which is phenomenal given the size we're at. In total, we're active in 45 markets. We're about, I think we're about 5,500 employees, something like that. But I mean, we are in many ways, in my opinion, a force to be reckoned with when it comes to payments and online shopping yeah i agree just based on the pure size i you know i don't think in the u.s we think about how the scope and the number of markets that you're in etc and i i I don't know i mean a couple of things there like it's been like if you look at spotify i heard but maybe maybe this is wrong but spotify is a no it sounds like an american name right Right. A lot of Americans seem to think that Spotify is a U.S. company. People won't confuse Klarna for being a U.S. company, right? It, it's just <laughs> right. like in the name and the service we provide. So, I mean, we have been, we've had to fight quite hard to gain the trust and the acceptance in the U.S. Now we're slowly getting there, right? But, you know, the Super Bowl sponsoring the Chicago Bulls, like all of the big things, like partnering up with Snoop Dogg and with Paris Hilton and like really trying to make our way into the, into the hearts of the Americans has been a big challenge. Not, not a, that we haven't managed, but, but that has been something, right? And one thing is yeah. the name. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes sense. Well, if we think about buy now, pay later for the moment and how that's fueling both shopping and frankly, e-commerce, like how, what are you seeing? How are you thinking about that as a, a cornerstone, if you will, to part of your business? Yeah. So there are always two sides of payments, right? So there's the consumer mm-hmm. side, people actually mm-hmm. choosing Klarna to pay for something. And then there's the merchant side, merchants actually choosing to integrate Klarna because of those benefits. If we start out with the consumer side, I mean, again, first and foremost, as I said, Buy now, pay later really has become an industry term for a specific payments feature. So again, it is a blessing and a curse when people say, Clarna is a buy now, pay later company. We're a payments company. We offer buy now, pay later. But buy now, pay later in itself, that feature to me, I mean, rationally speaking, it is just a more consumer friendly way to spread the cost. Like the ability to spread cost over time has been around since ancient times. Credit in itself is a fairly important booster to the economy. We know that. Oh, yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. then on an individual level, on a state level, on a country level, like credit sparks and boosts the economy. And how I see pay, uh, buy now, pay later is, again, it's a consumer-friendly way to offer credit. So instead of having the consumer paying an extremely high APR or predatory credit card fees, they let the merchants pick up the tab, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is just a, no, 
modern way of of paying for things. It's smart, it's fair, it's digital. So rationally speaking, it is just an updated credit card. Like now I'm 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 oversimplifying, but in many ways right. that is what it is. Then again, I do think there's a big emotional aspect to buy now, pay later and, and the rise of its popularity and thus the its ability to actually accelerate commerce. And we see that in almost all the countries, how it it really does accelerate commerce. And I think this, I, I think buy now, pay later to, to some extent marks the beginning of an era, which is almost like a move away from credit cards and old banks towards something that has the consumer's best interest in mind, right? Mm. So if yeah. you think about it, credit cards historically have been ripping people off, in my opinion. Like uh, high APRs, you have unaligned interests with the consumers. Credit cards mm. make money when the consumers don't repay them. Like that is mm. basically how it works. You don't repay your full credit card balance. You get rolled over to a program with high APRs and you get trapped in a system. And we see that over and over again, right? Mm. So I do think, and we're seeing that, especially in the US, that has been a very, very heavy credit card market. We see the shift away from predatory credit cards towards something new. And I do think that that is the emotional side of buy now, pay later, where it's like, oh, there is a credit option that doesn't try to screw me over, like that mm-hmm. has my best interest in mind, that actually, you know, allows me to stay on top of my finances, give me the same features as a credit card, but without the nasty side effects. Like, mm-hmm. That is what I think. And, and, and the sum of that rational benefit and emotional benefit is somehow, and maybe especially in times like these, like I truly believe that we give consumers the confidence and the control to buy things knowing that we won't screw them over, right? And that is what we're seeing. And, and I usually say this, like I think it's a shift of an era where we've moved from gold to cash, from cash to credit cards, and now from credit cards to something that is even more updated. And it's not only Klarna doing this. I mean, again, we're competitors. I think PayPal is doing this well as well. But I think there's a fundamental shift happening in society. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. No, it's, it's fascinating. And Getting back to something you talked about earlier in terms of consumer behavior and the research, maybe even going further in my words to say the incentive structure, I mean, in the buy now, pay later world, you're incentivized as the 
intermediary to actually get people to pay you back. <laughs> exactly. Right. Versus the opposite in the credit card scenario that you describe. Exactly. And I think, yeah. I mean, what the internet and digitalization of everything has done with the full transparency and access to information is to make sure that companies whose interests are aligned with the ones mm -hmm. of their consumers, like those are the ones that are going to thrive. Right. Like right. old banks and credit card companies, again, like they want you to not repay and then you end up with revolving credit and then you're stuck. So their incentives and your incentives as a consumer are completely misaligned. And I just personally don't think that's a sustainable business model. And that is mm -hmm. what we're seeing. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's, in, in that sense, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the more confidence we can give consumers that this is the new smart mm -hmm. way to pay, the more we can accelerate commerce. I mean, at, at the core of it, since the dawn of time, trade, commerce, buying things, selling things, whatever it's called, is based mm -hmm. on a simple thing, and that is trust. Like, it's built on the fact that each party trusts each other. And I do think that, not buy now, pay later, the feature but mm -hmm. Klarna representing a new way to pay is foundational in building that trust in a digital environment. That's just key. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's super interesting. I mean, let's talk a, a little bit about the merchant side or the retailer side. How how are you guys working with them, and what does that look like? I mean, yeah, the the simple answer here is. We obviously integrate with retailers for payments. So for the mm -hmm. payment side that we're talking about, which means they they now next to what they have with Visa and PayPal and whatever, they now also offer a modern and sought after way for the, for paying for things, right? So what we see that doing is it really unlocks a lot of potential both amongst existing consumers, but especially also amongst new ones. Right? People that don't have a credit card, that don't want a credit card, people that are maybe you know, very digitally native, that it, you know, they expect a mobile optimized experience. It sounds very, very basic, but most of our competitors don't have a mobile optimized experience. Like Just that modern thing. And, and we know, and now we're talking about the base product here, but we know that about 66% of all cards are abandoned for a variety of reasons, right? Things pop up, your phone rings, you leave, you, you, know, you get second thoughts, all of that. But we know that one of the main drivers is that the payment method, the way of paying for things or spreading your cost or whatever you want to do isn't available and people abandon their cards. So offering the right infrastructure and the right services to your consumer as a merchant is absolutely key. And different people require different things. And I do think that Klarna in general and Buy Now, Pay Later specifically appeals to a certain demographic that really wants a more modern way to pay and stay on top of things. So really, for the merchant, when it comes to the payments, it really unlocks potential in, in the user base, right? In the existing and the new user base. On top of that, however, we've seen almost explosive demand for our marketing services. So basically, what we've built with our 150 million consumers is an ecosystem of shoppers, right? People use Klarna to search for products, to get inspired, to buy products. So it's, it is an ecosystem of shoppers where we have 
partly unique access to them because they trust us and they, they actually trust us with their payment details, which might be the deepest form of trust, you could right. argue. Yeah. But we also know what historically they've bought, what they, their intent of buying with our features, such as having wish lists in our app and things like that. So we have a very rich understanding of our consumers and our customers, which means that we are uniquely positioned to actually connect brands with consumers and consumers with brands in our ecosystem and built on our first-party data. So in many ways, um, we are also on the merchant side slowly, or not slowly, quickly transforming into what we would call a retail media network. I mean, the popularity of those has... has, um, skyrocketed in the last couple of years if you look at obviously what amazon walmart target best buy macy's everyone is becoming a retail media network and i think with the capabilities that we have we cannot we're not only able to help our merchants on the payment side really the infrastructure to offer people better ways to pay but also on the almost on the top line side how can we help them acquire new users in our ecosystem by understanding consumers better than anyone else. So that's a really, really interesting move. I mean, in 2022, we, we, um, we drove 600 million clicks, I think, to retailers, which is quite massive, right? Just yeah. our ability to present people with the right product at the right time and, yeah, basically fuel the, fuel the business of our, of our partners. I mean, that's so fascinating. And I mean, in particular, I mean, the value proposition that you have now for retailers or merchants is quite dramatic. It's not just about easing and uh, removing friction of the, the payment, the actual transaction itself. But if you're able to match and then provide insight into terms of who is shopping and who is buying, that's fascinating. It is. And to some extent, you have to also acknowledge that we're I don't know how to put this, but almost helped a bit by the big tech war that is going on within the marketing and advertising space, right? Mm -hmm. Google, Facebook, and Apple are doing everything in their power to make life as miserable as possible for each other. (laughs) <laughs> you know, with the with the with the Google and the cookies going away, with uh, with the Apple and all of the structures around the new tracking technologies and the new iOS, like which means that these platforms have become way more inefficient than they were a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and that means that CMOs, marketeers, growth managers, whatever you're called. They're constantly looking for alternatives to these big platforms that don't work in the way they used to work, right? And I, I truly believe that Klarna, amongst others, amongst other retail media networks, is a viable option for that. So, so the big tech wars, they're actually playing to our favor as well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in constant yeah. uh, conversations with CMOs to say, hey, my, my cost of acquisition has doubled over the last three years because of this and that. Yeah, no, I hear that as well. I hear that as well. It's, it's, it's turning into a mess, to be honest. <laughs> it, it is. And, and if you layer on top the data privacy um, mm, you know, challenges yes. that we're seeing, especially in Europe, they're slowly mm. coming to the US as well. And that is going to be a nightmare is a strong word. But, but I mean, it, every state is probably going to have their a different take on, on 
privacy targeting you know, consumer data, like it is extremely complex to to navigate all of this. So it is an, it is an interesting industry. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about how you approach marketing of Klarna itself mm-hmm. and how you're driving your own kind of consumer acquisition, loyalty and use of the platform. Mm-hmm. How do you think about it? What what's, you know, important to to grow your base, so to speak? I mean, a lot of things. I mean, we have a yeah. <laughs> obviously almost a book written of how we go to market and what we do. But there are a couple of things that are extremely important to me when I guide my teams and when we talk about this, because there's also almost not a confusion about marketing, but but I think every organization has to be very clear and articulate on like, what is marketing and what can marketing do for us? Mm-hmm. And at Klarna, like I've, def- I've defined that quite sim- simply, and that is what we can do and want to do with marketing is to get people to try the product. That is what we can do, right? If, if you look at marketing isolated, or when I put it differently, like we can't even get people to try the product. We can increase the probability of someone <laughs> wanting to right. try the product. Like that is what we do. And almost everything that we do, regardless of if it's a big Snoop and Paris Hilton campaign, or if it's our performance marketing, like Almost everything, because we do believe we have a superior product. We do believe that the product proposition is fantastic. And we do believe that if you try it, you will see the brilliance in it, right? So Mm -hmm. one of the things that that we're really hell-bent on is really getting people to try the product. And I'm also a firm believer in growth. I obviously believe in loyalty and churn, you know, churn prevention um, projects and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think like getting more people to try the product and let the product be the biggest marketing channel is something that I think a lot of people are saying, but very few are doing. So that is like that. That's the overarching um, way in how we approach, you know, the the, the role of marketing. Right. And then right. I think there are like different ways of doing that, but but essentially it boils down to the three th- three big areas that we always try to address. So the way in which you get someone to try a product is there's either a utility gap to your competitor, so your product is levels better than the nearest competitor. It's just so much better, so so you'll have to use it, right? Right. Maybe that is what's going to happen with, you know, chat GPT versus Google, like the, the, right. the open AI stuff is just so much better from a utility perspective. And, and we're constantly working on that, like trying to understand from a marketing perspective, what kind of products, what kind of features do we need to launch in order to create a utility gap that is big enough to get people to use us? Or you need to create a value gap, Right. The vast majority of products, 99% of products out there have an alternative that is from a utility perspective, exactly the same, right? That's just a fact. There are very, very few unique products. So we need to create value. Like in some cases, we give people money to try the product. Hey, try Klarna, get $5 off, right? Working on the value gap. Value can be defined in many different ways, but I mean, people tend to like money. Right, so right. Uh, yes. <laughs> value often comes down to dollars. Yeah. Or finally, there is a distribution gap. 
So we partner up with someone who has a distribution that is much bigger and much easier. If you have a distribution advantage, often you actually don't need a better product or more value. You just ride on the distribution. So these are the three levers we're actually working with. Like, do we create products that have a you know, superior utility? Not only slightly, but you know, a much greater utility. Or do we create enough value? Or do we have to actually offer people value and money? Or can we partner up with someone who actually has this distribution? So these are the three big levers that, that we constantly evaluate and work on when it comes to, comes to trying the product. Right. The final thing was more, we have also, and, and this sounds very basic, but the, the brand and the concept of brand and the, 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 the notion of building a brand that stands for something is extremely important to us as well. And that sounds very simplistic because it is, it's nothing new and it's something that is obviously utilized and appreciated in other industries. But if you look at the financial industry, especially the fintech industry, like there are loads of companies, but no brands. And that has been the theme throughout, right? So investing into our brand, really almost becoming a, a symbol, a counterweight to a historically rotten industry, right? The, the, the financial industry is not like, it's not seen as the the finest of industries amongst consumers. So building this pink brand that stands for something else that we truly invest in, where we believe in the power of social, the power of pop culture, the power of you know being present in everyday conversations as a brand, and not only as a buy now, pay later feature, which a lot of our competitors are. That to me is the final piece of the puzzle here, which, which I think is... It's crazy that I talk about this as if it were something unique, but, but it is actually fairly unique in our industry, but, but right. it, it's obviously not unique. Right. Well, I was going to, I'm glad you went there because that's where I was going to go is like how the brand fits into this component. And what about the notion? I mean, the partnerships that you're doing with Snoop Dogg or Paris Hilton, I mean, is that about driving fame for your brand? Like a, I mean, and, to some extent, the, the way I usually describe this is, again, I don't want to sound like I've drank in too much of the Kool-Aid, but, but I do <laughs> think that we have a fantastic product and a fantastic proposition. Mm -hmm. The thing is, no one wants to listen to it. Like, and, and that's just... <laughs> that, I'll turn it around. There are very, very few companies, very yeah. few, I, I would say a handful of companies that enjoy having a stage, a, you know, a stage that when they say something, when they talk, when they present something, that people listen. Mm, you know, we have yeah. the Apples, we have the Teslas. I'm already struggling to name a couple of more, right? I'm already struggling where I would say they have their stage built. Like the world is listening when they present their proposition. Right. For every other company in the world, we just have to acknowledge the fact that they don't have a stage. They do not enjoy the uh, being in the spotlight of the internet, of the newspapers, of the news cycle, of the television companies ever, right? And there are probably companies out there that have a far better proposition than Klarna in, in any kind of in industry that no one is ever going to listen to because they're not building that stage. So to me, you can obviously call it fame, but what I'm trying to do with these big 
culturally relevant, obviously always socially driven, influence driven campaigns where we take an idea and a proposition and like it's basically what I'm trying to do is roll out the red carpet to be able to present the actual product. Mm. Yes. I at the core of it, I need a lot of people, like I'm talking about 500 million people, to mm. listen to me trying to explain the feature of splitting a payment in four parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, who wants to listen to that? <laughs> no one in their right minds wants to, like, no one wants right. to listen to that. I just, we have to be honest with that. And that's not a Klarna yeah. issue. It's a glow. Like, and, and that is where I think a lot of marketeers go wrong as well. They mm. severely underestimate what it takes nowadays to get the spotlight of the internet turned towards you for five or 10 seconds. Right. Like a severely underestimate, you know, in a world where we have the, you know, everything, we have the Super Bowls, we have the stranger things launching, we have all of the world news going on, we have everything going on, like, and in, obviously sounds cheesy to say this, but in, in an extremely cluttered world, more than ever, the vast majority of marketeers and CMOs do not understand where the bar is set in order to actually enjoy some attention. Hmm. No, it's very true. It's very true. We were so wrapped up as marketers. I'll put myself in this camp. We're so wrapped up in what we do every day that we assume that other people are thinking about us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and unfortunately, no one is. No one is. No, it's the last thing they want to think about. <laughs> I just want to go live life. I don't care about your product or your brand. Exactly. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. Well, um, you know, one of the things I've heard about you, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is like just how you approach talent. And I think there's some sort of proclivity, maybe is the right word, to in-house and having your talent close to you. Yeah. How do you think about that? I'm curious, especially given your agency background. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, in all fairness, I <laughs> change opinions on this every year because I, I mm. think a lot of companies and myself included are still soul searching. What is the optimal setup, right? And yeah. the way I don't want to think about this is in-house versus out-house because I don't think it's an either or, right? Yeah. What I truly believe is where brands go wrong in this entire thing is when they outsource rather than extend, right? So they take a project, a brief, whatever, and they take the full scope of that and they ask an agency to, hey guys, can you do this for us? And then they lose control of that, right? So Mm -hmm. the way we think about it is, I love working with agencies, but I want them as an extension. Like, and, and that means from a talent perspective, which was, which was your question, right? Is I need someone who is as good as the agency representative, at least one person who knows the, the task, Mm. the project, the, the craft as good as the agency, right? Mm. So I see agencies as an extension. I usually don't launch projects if I don't have someone at Klarna that I knew could run, could do this project themselves. Right. Right. But they just don't have the man, man hours needed. Right. So Mm -hmm. agencies are extensions because what I saw, at least when I was agency side, 
was that there sometimes was such a huge competence gap between brand, uh, between clients and agencies, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want that to happen. So I worked with a lot of clients when I was agency side where our interface to the client was a project manager, but they knew right. nothing about design. They knew nothing about performance marketing. Like, and it was so, there was such a gap. Like it was frustrating mm-hmm. to us because the, you know, that our, our client pretty much didn't understand really what the task was about. It was frustrating for them because they couldn't really be on top of like, am I being tricked into something here by the agency? So a key component of what I want to do is I want to have a couple of the best people in the world at Klarna, mm. which allows us to work them with the best agencies in the world. Right. Well, but we, I, I, we would never outsource yeah. anything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds familiar. I mean, actually, I don't know how long ago now it's been, but maybe a year or two years ago, I was interviewing Leland Moshmeyer. I don't know if you know him. He used to be the chief strategy officer at Chobani mm-hmm. before that chief creative officer, I believe, but also helped found Collins, an agency in the US. And um, he had a similar philosophy. I think he was a little bit more at that point in time on the in-house side of the equation, but he talked about it similarly to you. And, and I would use the words like to build on your extension word, like the integration of the agency and the in-house talent yeah, and a true partnership because I've been on the agency side as well myself. And a lot of times you feel like a vendor you're not getting the ins- the true insight on the business that you need to actually build something that's going to help drive marketplace success. And then the frustration that you just described, which is, you know, when you come back with a solution, the client doesn't understand it. And now it's an education challenge many times yeah. to, to try to back up and walk them through it. But um, he, he also had kind of a similar philosophy. So I, I I think it works. And I mean, Giovanni has been a success story in and of itself. Klarna is obviously growing quite rapidly and you guys have already had a tremendous success already as well. So there's something in what both of you guys are saying. I like it. Mm. Yeah, no, I truly believe in that, right? Really. I would never end up in a spot where it's like, we know nothing about SEM. Let's find an agency that does. No, right. Let's find a person that knows everything about that. And if we need more people, there are agencies that can help that person. I mean, it's frankly kind of frightening to think about that, right? Like, like we don't know anything about SEM, so we're just going to go get somebody that can do it. Like, like <laughs> you're giving away a lever of your business, a lever of your marketing mix. It's just, that's a scary proposition. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. I'd love to switch gears. The, my favorite question, asking everyone, maybe I also have that psychology background <laughs> that you started with, is... Uh, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big fan of these like eureka moments. Like the, mm-hmm. neither, like I've worked with so many ideas and I always get the question like, when was it? When did you crack the idea? And you never know because it's like a blend of things. And I think, I don't think I've had that experience. What I do think I've been privileged to have a lot of very different and almost opposing experiences so i've been on the agency side and on the client side i've seen you know i've been working with boring industries and fun industries i've lived in the u.s in germany and sweden like it's more that the experience 
that I have many experiences rather than I'm probably a good mix of things rather than this one like ooh uh, that that right. defines me. I'm I'm not mm. sure that that is that that is the case, and that is also a trait I'm actually looking for in people I hire, like having mm. a mix of experiences, like having as many as possible. I like it. I like it. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, you have any advice you'd give your younger self? That's also always hard. But one thing I actually think I'm lacking in this mix of things is the true entrepreneurship. So if I could go back to myself, I don't know, at the age of 18 or whatever, I would try to force myself to start a side hustle. Not to grow it into to, to, you know, the, the, the next big Klarna, but like the experience of like starting a company, even right. if it fails. It probably fails, right? As you know, like right. uh, but start a side hustle would be my, yeah. my advice. The odds are definitely against entrepreneurs, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about or you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah, I mean, AI is the obvious and boring answer. It's <laughs> almost a tick in the box, but, but that almost goes without saying. The thing that I've been more interested in as a counterweight to that is empathy. And I see empathy going away in like partly in a more data-driven world. Everything is data-driven, but also like the, the new the cheesy, cheesy word again, but like the new normal with working from home, everything is, you know, there's a screen interfering with everything. So mm, yeah. marketeer's ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about how are they going to receive this message? How are they going to understand what I'm saying? How, like, what kind of mental, emotional state are they in? That is actually something I think we're starting to lose track on as marketeers. And when it comes to communication, at least, marketing is broader than that, but communication, I mean, it's a core feature. Understanding how the other person thinks, feels, receives messages is a key capability that we're losing track on in this new matrix world that we're in Hmm. interesting on a personal note are there brands companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should be taking notice of yeah of course i mean on the nothing new actually but on the brand side i i closely follow what lego does i think they're so inspiring with their ability to you know be cross demographics, cross interests, like it's just building that kind of brand is extremely, extremely hard. I think Lego, the the revival of Lego, the rebirth has been spectacular, like hard to to see anyone who's done that. And then obviously the more fun brands like Liquid Death and those, like it's, you never know, like, is it brilliance and geniusness or is it just (laughs) good timing or like, I love when I don't really understand what's going on. Like there's no rationale to (laughs) why it's working. It's almost the opposite, right? It's almost like the irrationality that makes it fantastic. And I'm just fascinated by that. But but, but then more than brands, like the thing I'm really looking out for now, and and again, in lights of AI and everything that's happening is the one-man shows. Like I I don't want to call it the creator economy, but I truly believe that we're going to see one to five people companies growing and being as big as 
what we have thousand thousand people companies doing today like with all the technology at hand with that democratization of of almost everything like especially now that we're seeing coding not only being done by engineers but where where we see the the no code like trend coming so the one man shows the one man companies those are going to be extremely interesting to see awesome Last question for you. What do you think is the largest opportunity or biggest threat facing marketers today? I've given this some thought, but like maybe a cheesy answer, but I do think creativity will still be a huge opportunity going forward. I mean, what we see now, everyone has access to all the data all the time. AI will be doing half of the work everyone listening to all the same podcasts and having the same information and access to what you should do and shouldn't do like the ability to see new patterns or even more so the ability to create new ones before everyone else is going to be key so i still i'm a firm believer in creativity not creativity being like no choosing a different kind of coloring for your brand but like the fresh thinking in a world where I think we're running a risk of having everyone think and do and act and show up the same way. Creativity is just something that we should and need to nurture as marketeers. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 